0: of the things, but what's really nice is that there's some um, letters in here. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, a lot of, of course, you know, half of these guys probably didn't actually write the letters. They they had someone who could write for them, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because literacy rate is terrible during this time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lamb. Yep. Uh, I tell you what books I picked up during the last time?
2: Uh, you did not. But before you start, uh, we are now officially live on Twitch. Say hello to Twitch, everybody. Hello,
0: Twitch.
1: Hello, Twitch. Welcome the, to uh, the books I picked podcast. up. I got two on the go. books that were basically like overviews of uh, the Great War, and the <laughs> other one called a Campaign Atlas to the Great War. Oh, those are
2: really nice.
1: And both of those books were published by West Point History Class as ways to teach students about tactics used in the Great War, so they can better utilize tactics in modern day combat.
2: See, that's based. Uh, oh, a quick thing before we get super far in here. Uh, it was pointed out to me last week that we did this, uh, which is two weeks ago now. Uh, I did make a big, a little bit of a boo boo. Uh, I had mentioned um, George, Pat- Pat- excuse me, George Patton fighting with Santa Anna. Uh, that was actually after the first world war, not before the first world war. Shame on me for forgetting that. So <laughs> thank you to whoever pointed that out to me. I don't, I can't look at my uh, Discord that far back right now. So, yeah. But yes, that was pointed out to me. Uh, so hey, correction number one, boys.
0: <laughs> yeah, make sure you send me a thing like uh, the send me a link to the book you're referring to because I'd love to look at it.
1: Oh, I would also like to apologize on the Hunley part. It is still actually disputed of what actually happened, but the yes. theory now is that it
0: did uh, blow itself up. Yeah, that's what that's what I that's what I had heard is that um, it, it was basically like the shock from the explosion. Um, of course, you're really close to the explosion, and you're underwater, so the water compresses, and it. Uh, I, it probably did some damage to either the actual submarine or it um it was probably like a case of the bends or something to the, well, uh, the the reason why ride. it's
1: still disputed is the uh, the guys that did that test to try to prove that had inconclusive results because yeah, of, of course. certain
0: issues. Yeah, there. You know, with when it comes to like accidents and stuff like that, and so many variables that could change the the outcome. You know, of course, you're gonna have some skewed stuff. So yeah, I'm sure it'll still be a while before they they come to a final conclusion for that. Yeah, that's why
1: I was saying there's also that theory with the freaking bullet hole and crap.
2: Also, Tate is correct. Water doesn't really compress; it more it displaces things. And fill, uh, water has this funky property of filling up any container that you put it into, the yeah. best of
0: stability. Yeah, that. Yeah, compressed probably wasn't the correct term, but yeah, it mm-hmm. it, it definitely sent out a uh, kind of kind of like when you go underwater, and a and I think MythBusters did a thing on this or something like uh, if a grenade goes off underwater or something. the the uh, shockwave will, will probably do some damage to you. Yes.
1: The, the explosion of the water coming back would do more damage than the shrapnel. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, I imagine, you know, with, with uh, how water does work and the way that sound works underwater, it probably do some pretty good damage to your hearing as well. Yeah, you're That's going to go this. About eight yeah. feet, the bullet drops off. Yeah. It, that That actually depends on the round. So higher rounds... Like a fifty cal, um, it'll actually uh, deteriorate within like three inches of the water, and it will. It's you know not not very dangerous, you know, quote unquote.
3: I will just a pistol, a pistol. A myth-
0: pistol. Uh, a pistol round can go like up to eight feet. That's I will just copy yeah.
1: what MythBusters said because they said if you want to survive any type of freaking round going into the water, go about eight feet underwater.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. You, you're, you're. There's actually some rounds that I've seen that are really funky looking, and they uh, they basically look like spears with a uh, with a.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, they're designed you know, for like underwater use.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, they're 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 just really interesting looking, and they're they're kind of crazy.
1: Um, I actually have a poster of those kinds of guns. Yeah with those rounds and one of them's like a german made and it looks like an stg 44 oh yeah very thick mag mm-hmm. and it's like they have shotgun casing shells and they just put a spear in the middle of the shotgun casing yeah exactly
0: wild. yeah you got to you got to do some special stuff to make that stuff work
2: Okay. Uh, before we get too far, because I know we're already getting sidetracked, that that's pretty typical for us. We're huge. Oh well, yeah, both, <laughs> we haven't really
0: started yet. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're right. Um, actually, speaking of that, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so, as usual, a couple of things before we start. Uh, let's make sure to keep everything. Uh, 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 excuse me. Uh, respectful. Uh, let's try and keep the politics out of this. Let's just focus on the history itself. Um. And let's, let's just kind of keep everything topical to the debate. Tonight's debate, we're going over artillery. Uh, that's going to be our main topic. Uh, Hank is unfortunately not here tonight. He had to go do some stuff IRL. So he is not here as our co-host, but I do have with me Mr. Assassin. I have How Mr. Is- Zinn. Hello! And I have guest speaking tonight, Mr. Kredith. Say hello, Credith. How's it going? And then of course we have our fabulous o- audience. So hello, boys.
3: Hello, audience. <laughs> yeah, hello, audience. Hello, audience.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so starting off tonight, uh, we're going to be starting with artillery, of course, because that's going to be our main topic tonight. Oh, man, I can speak for a long time on artillery. I love artillery. artillery. I, I like to
0: think that I know a little bit about the ammunition that mm-hmm. they use a lot of. Um, of course, you see a lot of, of examples in... Your favorite games that you play, oh, yeah. from Total War to War Rights, which is our main game that we played together.
2: Yeah, and probably still on Steam sale. So you should go check that out.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Hi, I'm Shilling. Uh, War Rights. Hello.
0: Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, <laughs> look, look, look up uh, Hood's Division. We're right here. That's us. <laughs> but yes,
2: um, artillery, man, and artillery, the king of the battlefield, doesn't just cover what everybody thinks of because i mean what do you think of when you think of artillery you think of a cannon right think yeah, of a of cannon a how it's you,
0: you think of something that has a big boom it go boom it shoots Got a, cannon something shell. That shoots a
4: long ways and hmm. then just drops on the enemy
0: yeah right. Right.
5: well large that's
0: large that's a, that's a rough kind of example of it but mm-hmm. you know the the way that the round is propelled is different throughout the ages
2: yeah, and I'm actually right, going
0: to go... It's a... Oh, I was going to say, and that, that's exactly right. It's amazing
4: how artillery has changed throughout history, and the way that it's been used mm-hmm. uh, in war for sieges, and how it's now used in modern-day conflicts today. So yeah, it's, and... it's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: just posted a wonderful example. <laughs> yeah, that's a
2: fantastic being a
0: uh, Being a round... That is about two and a half times as tall as the guy standing next to it.
2: So, if I'm that's correct, just, and I I I'm... That's
0: just the part that goes pew. That is so just the part that wrong.
2: goes pew. That's okay, I'll probably get it wrong, because I don't recognize the uniform. But I want to say that's probably a World War One era railroad cannon. Just based on the shape and size the same of the thing. show.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get Gustav, Gustav, so yes, that is uh, actually... That is, Gu-
2: that is the Doris Gustav, or Dora Gustav, sorry. Which is a yeah. German artillery piece from World War One that was big enough that it had to fit on four railroad tracks set side by side. Yeah.
0: Really, really terrible for the uh for the freaking people having to make that thing go where they want it, but
2: Yeah, it had a top speed of like two miles an hour. Yeah.
0: There you it'll go. There's there. a lot yeah. It'll, it'll the get there tomorrow.
2: I probably can't use probably that either. picture as it is in. I'll probably have to crop that one.
0: Yeah, crop the oh, top. Oh, yeah, out I see that. Yeah, I I, that's
2: try. actually not the German one, though, uh, looking okay. at it. No, oh, thank you. Uh, fun fact, though, uh, just a little quick aside that's not the German one. That is, the, in fact, the Finnish Air Force variant. And I know that just by the the shape wow. and direction of it.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
2: Yes. Considering the meaning behind
0: it before, yeah. All right. Yeah, so,
2: so back to artillery. Uh, yeah. So we're actually going to go back a little bit before all those fun things that go pew, and talk about some of the earliest forms of artillery, which I think you might get a kick out of. Let's talk about trebuchets, voice. Ooh, oh yeah, yes, uh, I
4: was. I love that big topic. stick that goes. Thump. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just let's hurl a rock at the enemy. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, you're you, when you think about it, um, there, there's types of um, of sort of like a slingshot mm-hmm. that you would consider uh the, the, an, an example if you're th- uh if you're familiar with um you talk about the scorpion history scorpion yeah. no, so if you're if you're familiar with religious kind of stuff uh you, you'll know you'll you'll remember David and Goliath oh yeah okay and um yes it, it's it's possible that the the sling that um that david used to to uh kill goliath wasn't the like the type that you know you'd have a uh, y- you would think of today where it's the two posts and you pull it back <laughs> and throw it or uh, let it go and it goes it's actually something more like a pull with a uh with what looks like a trebuchets um holder for the ammo and you just chuck it which I thought was pretty interesting.
4: It, that would be
0: uh, absolutely scary during the time period yes, to be it, on it, receiving end of that. And you know, considering considering um, how it works, because it's basically like a handheld trebuchet, um, where you have the pole and your and you have the you have the sack that hangs down with your ammo in it. Uh, or whatever you're deciding to throw, you could have a rock in there the size of like a softball, and you could just hurl that thing, and with 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 some pretty good accuracy as well. Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. S- sling, sling, sl- sling shooting is actually is yeah. legitimately not that hard if you've ever had a sling, and I'm talking yeah. about the older ones where you whip it around your head and go wham.
0: Yeah, that's that's basically the <laughs> yes. same concept. It's mm-hmm. it, but just it's, on a smaller uh, scale. Yeah, you're putting you're putting a pole on it instead. So yeah, it, it's something like you could use to walk around and stuff, and you're 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 literally using that extra oomph to to get that thing going further.
2: Yeah, some of the stuff they came up with for early artillery pieces and like we'll just call them siege weapons are wild. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about yeah, let's talk about the scorpion for a minute. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Scorpion, oh
2: or, like yeah. freaking
1: grandfathers.
2: Yeah, developed originally by I, I want to say the either the Romans or the Greeks. I really want to say the Romans. Romans. As, mm-hmm. at
1: least utilized them super yeah. effectively.
2: going to say, I know that yes. Alexander the Great had the Gastrophetes just giant torsion bow, but that was not really the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, we get to the scorpion. You got this this just this piece of wood that you just set up. It's like how do I describe it? It's like the size of a dude, but it's about as wide as two dudes. And you just put a giant stick on the end of this thing, wheel it back, and go whoop! And uh, that, that stick is released with enough kinetic energy to go through like three or four guys. There you go. Yeah, thank you, Zen. Okay. Beautiful picture right there. <laughs> kind yeah, of it's, basically,
0: it's basically a crossbow on steroids.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, think like about it.
0: were
1: like man-to-man portable, but they were most of them were huge yeah
0: i mean
2: well, i was gonna yeah.
1: say you think that and that's the interesting thing about
4: like that you gotta think about the time period as well like some of these weapons weren't necessarily made to kill it was a psychological just for of, the horror just, of it yeah just make sure that the enemy just fears that they might end up getting crushed yeah
0: mm-hmm. and that's that's I part have, of like the, who wants uh, to get impaled by a giant spear yeah but that that's part of that's part of you know the the way war, war works is you know, you're trying to, You're if you're not trying to kill all of the enemy, which is kind of hard to do, um, you, you're wanting to to dishearten them. You're going to want to break their morale. So you want things that make a lot of noise. You want things that have a lot of impact. And in this case, literal impact, mm-hmm. you know, right.
2: I mean, speaking, oh, actually, I think you had something you want to say first.
1: Uh, yeah. Speaking on just the sheer fear factor. Of some of these siege weapons, I want. It's a bit older, or well, newer compared to something like the Scorpio or the Mm onager I would like to hit real quick on the trebuchet called the War Wolf.
0: Yes, yes. Oh yeah, I love, I love the. (laughs) The story. It It took like what a month for them to build it outside of the outside of the castle they were sieging. Yeah. And by the time they were done, they, (laughs) they surrendered, and the guy was like, "Well, I've already built this thing. I might as well use it." You know,
1: yeah, and it would hurl. I think what it was like a one ton, two ton freaking rock boulder. I think it was,
0: it was one ton. Yeah, ball. yeah, and, and, and
1: like what would be equivalent to like what? Of, I want to say it was like a mile almost away.
0: Yeah, which yeah.
2: is think about that for the like ancient period. Crazy
1: areas. for the
4: time.
2: Yeah, it, it's the goose
4: Like, Nobody would have. Go- you know, yeah, yeah. no one would have thought a mile back then.
0: Yeah, you're, you're. You know, usually you can see what you're, what's you know, going for you. But you know, it, I I find I find these types of weapons very interesting because they're not something that you can just wheel up to the front line. You no, you to, have to build them. They, are, they are specifically right. built, you know, for the siege using the resources around them. Sometimes you know, so it's just like, you know, you're you're sitting there and you're being sieged and you literally can see what weapons they're coming up with to to tear down your walls or or you know Mm -hmm. oftentimes They'd launch corpses into the city to spread disease.
2: Yeah, whether it's like a, a bloated body or like a dead cow, yeah. something like that. They,
0: you know, they they may not have known what germ theory was at the time, but what they did know is dead bodies. Usually, you don't want st- to stand around them. You know, usually people who are around dead bodies a lot get sick.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so they it, it'd probably be more of a miasma at the time because. You know, miasma was a bad smell, a bad odor that made you sick. You got
2: ghosts in your blood, do cocaine about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: P.S., we do not actually endorse cocaine. That's bad. (laughs) 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 Yeah
0: just making that, clear, yeah, just making that, that clear, clear making that clear Just to do not joke. have ghosts just in your blood please do not do cocaine <laughs>
1: but that's actually how the plague doctors get their stuff yeah, yeah
2: that's the kind of that's kind of what we were at um, and
1: they were half right
2: yeah they, they had a yeah. correct they had a good idea they just didn't have the knowledge
0: to go with it they weren't unintelligent people but anyways going back to <laughs> yeah, but we went back to <laughs> Archer, setting, <laughs> setting aside that that can be a conversation to for Tokyo. another time uh going back to the Scorpio and, and our basic early on artillery uh what you could call artillery um you know you you have you have things that they're not necessarily some of them may not be as strong as the bowmen but they can shoot further and mm-hmm. some of them can can chuck a rocket at, at you and from from a very decent distance, and some of them can shot a rock at you. That's also on fire. So,
2: and if I might add, uh, something that the Romans did start doing towards the end of the Republic era, and when they start getting to being the Roman Empire, and then you've got the Western Roman Empire and the Eastern Roman Empire, Some that they did when they really picked up the whole chariot thing, fighting like the Carthaginians and so and some of the Gauls and some of the British people and the Germanic tribes. Something that these Mad Cat guys decided to do is: What if we took like a ballista or a scorpion and just stuck it on a on a on a, um, on a chariot, chariot yeah. on a chariot, or like yeah. between a couple of them? And so you have the first, like some of the first experiences of mobile artillery, yeah. and it's literally just a bunch of Romans running around with a chariot or two, shooting people with a crossbow the size of your face.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's also something to point out that. You know, a lot of the innovations that we use today were not invented today. The concept Mm -hmm. was already there. You know, uh, maybe a couple of things, maybe a couple of things we may have come up with, uh, you know, recently, but more often than not, the concept's already there in history. You just have to look for it.
4: Yeah. If uh, you look at most of modern weapons today, you can look back almost a thousand years and find some sort of invention that, Already had the idea, but we just modernized it to yeah. what we see and it as. And today. I'd
0: argue, I'd argue, you know, you you could you could go back like, you know, five thousand years and find some things that yeah. you know we still use today. Oh, most definitely. You know, from the from the dawn of civilization, people have found out ways to chuck a rock a very long way. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So. Yeah. It, it was just a matter of perfecting how to chuck said rock and make yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's the that's the yeah. arms race of the time. Is you know how can I how can I kill somebody at a distance when they still have a sword? Mm-hmm. You know, the, y- your your arms race is how do I how do I kill someone effectively, and how do I defend myself effectively? So you're getting bigger and stronger weapons with the development of better armor and then all of a sudden you have the introduction of gunpowder which
4: absolutely changed the course of history as yeah, we know and, it and, and oh and yeah of course it just absolutely took everything that we knew about medieval warfare like sword shields and shabby and almost tossed it to the wayside
2: so yeah, here's here's some funny stuff about about that by the way Let, let's look let's look at original guns let's look at early cannons for a minute
4: oh are you talking yeah. about like those 1400s that uh were used in uh spain
0: yeah so let's get a let's get a picture brought up oh yeah right those now. things are wild so that that way we know we all
2: know are you what talking about the
1: uh the brumbars, are you talking about the- no, no
2: we're talking about like 1400s era
4: yeah the 1400s spains uh, what were they uh by the catalinians
2: catalinians yeah yeah oh so, man those things are some of the scary. some of the those first some of the first reported usage of big guns in the west were not actually musket sized um muskets didn't really become interesting to the europeans until the ottomans got those the ottomans got those in the i want to say the late 1400s about 1475 but somebody can fact check me on that
1: talk about these
2: yeah those boys yes. so we yes. got what's got known as the handgun or the hand cannon um very very crude weapons as you can see it's literally just a stick with a little tube on the end that somebody lights a match on
0: yeah and, and it's also something to point out that in this depiction there's not like a trigger or anything it's literally a string with a flame on it that you kind of stuff down the hole
2: yeah we would have
0: it. Yeah, yeah we
2: would have called one of these yeah. uh, this would have been called a matchlock there yeah. usually yeah, a trigger, it's
4: yeah. a literal hand cannon mm-hmm. to put it in perspective yeah. yes
2: and then we get the bigger versions um what's really crazy about this time is back before the, the gun came to the west obviously you have these big, huge castles everywhere, and they were very important to Siege Warfare at the time because a castle meant a hard point. It meant a siege. You can't just go throw a trebuchet up there and go knock down a castle wall. They're usually built too strong. Trebuchet's gonna go over and do some damage on the inside, but, you know, you're looking at these month-long, year-long, could be a couple of years out at siege just to take a castle. And then the gun comes along. <laughs> yeah. And then you, yeah. s- then you suddenly have these these big, huge bombards, which, you know, they're still, like, very unwieldy. And can you get a picture of, like, a 1400s bombard for me?
1: Yeah, I can get you that. I was just looking at Fire Lances, which are actually a little bit older than that. They Chinese made
0: them, but... yes yeah, this sun- reminds me of a Joe Rogan podcast, and the guy <laughs> who just pulls everything up for us. A- well, in his we... I
4: i think we need to take like a little bit of a step back and go to like when the Chinese first found out yeah. about gunpowder.
2: Yeah,
5: you know what, Let's and, do that
0: real quick. Let's try our best to like stay in chronological Yes. Jump hundred
5: around years ahead. <laughs> with, yeah, we're gonna jump <laughs>
0: around really really far in either direction. So Well, Dimitri and once we get to like a certain day,
4: part you know, and once we get to a certain part of this history, like it goes very smoothly. Uh like <laughs> I would say yeah. once we hit like the mid eighteen hundreds, it starts to become very chronological and very yeah, once easy you to once you hit cannons, get there. Once you hit yes. cannons,
0: it, it's like that's the that's the design. That's our, the even before crab sixteen hundreds. You know? yeah. Everything everything 600s. wants to evolve into a crab. This is a crab, you know. <laughs> 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 so, yes. <laughs> so, crab time. But, hey, So have, so there's a
1: couple of depictions of the bar. Yeah.
0: Thank you. So Tom, but, uh, yes, going back a little bit. Yeah, going back just a tad. Um you know, you, you we can we can find things that worked with gunpowder. Um a good example is the watcha that uh Dimitri has put in here, which is yep. basically a it's I guess it's I guess it's uh, what you could call a rocket launcher for the What time. I
4: would what I would say is think of the high mars except super super low tech like the most low tech that you could possibly get with as little components as possible
2: and And for those of you who don't know yeah no sorry for those of you who don't know what high mars is don't worry we'll get there
4: yeah we'll we'll get there there way down Um, the history line
2: yeah that's that's um
4: Basically putting stuff on like stick like rockets like fireworks on sticks and then just shooting them at the enemy that, yeah that's what, basically, that's what it is it's basically
0: um. an arrow mm-hmm. and it's it's you, you, when you have one of these and you light off the the volley you uh, you have your, your, your you, you don't need as many archers to to shoot a decent distance because you have a machine that can do it for you.
4: Right. And uh, Dimitri ended up posting it a little bit further up. Yeah. That's, so, yeah, that's why I. Which I'd is come back perfect, there. Per- perfect, perfect picture. Ooh.
1: You were going to say something, though? I was going like, to uh, say that the Chinese not just attached it to sticks, they attached it to full blown arrows. And mm-hmm. sometimes those arrows would carry a charge. So they would go yeah. a little bit boom when they hit. Yeah,
3: they can't have
1: seen some on that. First that is a, they would light those bags of gunpowder and shoot to create a scenario.
0: that's wild yeah and i imagine you know with anything this early on in development they probably more often than not blew the user's hand off you know very likely <laughs> if, i mean uh, you know you you yeah, have to probably. you have to have a you have to have a, a pros and cons to it so you probably didn't have those kinds of accidents too often but I imagine it's probably the same concept of putting a grenade on a stick, you know. <laughs> yes. I am very curious how much they didn't have go off because of wet or humid conditions. That's actually oh, a good yeah.
2: question.
1: I uh, it was nest bees that I was looking for. Yeah, I know, know I know
0: a lot of I know a lot of fights using muskets usually didn't Nesta happen bees. in the rain. Oh, there's right. a Oh, especially in go. the early days of the Flintlocks. Mm-hmm. I think Bob.
2: Get it. Yeah, Get your butt up here. Get
1: up here.
2: We're just talking about artillery. Yeah.
1: But the Chinese actually had something around the 1200s that is similar to what the Europeans used.
2: Yeah, the the po,
1: I believe. Uh, the fire lance. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, you're right.
1: Which was like a gourd they would fill I with gunpowder and you up to a speak. couple of you other be things to just shoot it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see you post a picture of it. That's cool looking. I have never seen that one, so I like
6: that. Oh, the one I yeah. just posted, there that's... Okay. Is... I'm just gonna not talk on this one. I'm still on the road. Oh, you're okay. good.
0: Not a problem. Got yeah, we'll We'll be here for a little while. So if you come back, uh, go ahead and just join us.
6: So... Oh, I still have a two-hour drive back. Oh, uh, okay. okay.
0: Not, a not a problem.
6: So Vanessa's plane was supposed to land in Bradley, which is like 20 minutes away from me. Instead mm-hmm. it's a two hour drive to New York City. So oh man. Um, wow. effort. yeah. have to
2: pay respects for the homie. Yeah. That's for drive.
6: I'm like, great, thanks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So. Well if that's the case, we'll we'll just we'll, uh we'll just I guess we'll retouch up on, on what we originally were gonna do next year when the next anniversary comes around for it. <laughs> but anyways, so coming back you, you um, I, I guess we're right now. We're more looking at um, at our sort of gunpowder-esque weapons. Not all of them, I'd say, are you could count as artillery, but are pseudo firearm. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but actually, you know, some... no. Go ahead. You, yeah, you've you've got you've got all these different things, and you can. As you're going through the development process, you're you're starting off with mostly arrows and fireworks. You know that that's your mm-hmm. that's your I guess your earliest form of gunpowder.
2: Pretty uh, much, yeah. Up uh, through up through the end of Sun yeah. Tzu's like prominence, I would say in China, and then uh, some of the Boshin Bo- Wars in Japan.
0: Yeah, but if we if we kind of go back to our European artillery you know we're 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 chucking rocks and stuff you know where it's it because you know you you have to you have to go by necessity when you're fighting people so when you're going up against people who make wooden temples and stuff probably a flaming arrow works very well but when you're going up against people who make very big stone castles you're going to want to try and break down the wall
3: right
0: um of course you know cultures and stuff can, uh, can be accounted for in the reasoning behind each of these decisions but you're you're having artillery that is designed for specific things of course yep. artillery nowadays works on just about anything you
6: want to destroy but, yeah, and we'll get we'll get there yeah we'll, and we'll, I think we'll that's definitely a, be I think, there i think that's a
4: really good uh thing that you brought up assassin is like european structures versus asian structures were very different for the time period Mm yeah like asian structures were mostly like wooden straw uh correct me if i'm wrong and then you got more european structures that were like built up like Rocks, stones, uh, castles, like what we know today.
0: I mean, it, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like wooden straw because, you know, uh, you, you uh, peasant houses would be made up of that in, in both areas. Right. Uh, right. They, they'd have, they'd have a straw like roof with a wooden, uh, with a wooden wall or something along those lines for both. It would just be a matter of, um, what plant you're getting your straw from. Um, but when it comes to your temples and stuff, um, you have a different sort of structure that needs to be broken down. And you're looking at when you're looking at the European uh, castle towns and stuff, you're getting more walled off structures that you may need to um, try and get through. And of course, depending on the person who built it and what they had in mind for siege defense, you might have winding roads or you might have um, some other types of like a, like just straight shot roads. The mm-hmm. reason you'd have winding roads is more to give a better uh, defense of the central structure because you're going to be hitting the peasant houses and stuff, you know? You, you'd, you'd be hitting the you'd be hitting the structures of the main city instead of the main castle yeah,
1: yeah not just that but it also calls when a army is sieging if they encounter winding roads it takes them longer to navigate yeah 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 than, you,
0: than you, you have you have your you have your people who live there and they know what the how the roads work and you have the people who don't and it's very confusing because the the roads are are going all over the place and you're like all right, I see the castle, but I don't see a road that goes to it. Yeah, and even so I'm sp- gonna, I'm, I need to find <laughs> I need to find a way to get there.
2: And even speaking a little bit on the castles themselves, you'd see these things go even into the castle where you'd have, um, you know, say you want to climb a tower inside the castle. Well, you're climbing that thing going left-handed because they've made it to where they have the right-handed swing down, so that you're having to fight with your off hand for the most part because most people, you know, are right-handed. Excuse me, sorry, I had a hiccup there yeah so if
4: you even look at some of these european countries mm -hmm. they built the castles like dead center in the middle of the cities yeah or like these population centers and like had the had these um, other buildings of similar style spread out to make it just super hard for anyone to invade. yeah you're (laughs) trying
0: to confuse the enemy at this point but you know when you're chucking a rock you're just chucking a rock you know you're chuck you're either trying to set a flame or you're trying to cause as much damage or you're trying to kill as many people as you can over a period of time because the longer you have the siege going on the more that the civilian population is like all right we're gonna need to fight back or something to get out of this and yep. the you know that when you when you start getting the civilian population desperate enough to be like that to get into the castle and see, and fight, you're going to lose more people. Sorry, Zen, I kept cutting you off.
1: <clears> That's <throat> fine. The other thing I wanted to bring up before we go back onto the topic is when these sieges occurred. And you started to have these more cannon like structures. The Europeans have already been been waging war with trebuchets and crap like that for centuries with the Romans. Mm -hmm. And then getting into the medieval times, they get trebuchets and all that stuff. Start going into the Crusades. They're still using trebuchets. And so the Europeans have been fighting these wars and stuff. And they would hire specific engineers... Who would pass on their trade to either defend their castles or make the weapons to break these castles?
0: Yeah, and and you'd you'd that that'd be like their specific thing. You'd have you'd have your engineer group, you know, just like you would with anything, going out and while your soldiers are going and defending the the siege engines and stuff that are being built, you know, you're you're taking that time to try and build it as fast as you can because. Hmm. There's no way that you're going to be able to haul a siege engine with you the entire campaign. It's something that you you're gonna want to make there because you don't want the entire um, you don't want the entire army having to haul that thing around. Now, when you get to regular cannons, you can't really make them on the in, in the place. You know, you, you're right. Uh, if if they're really big, they're probably a defensive cannon, and if they're smaller, they're probably being hauled by horses or men.
1: Actually, some of them, uh, some of the early bombards got casted pretty close to the battlefield.
2: Yeah, um, yeah and I can we can actually... That so, speaking on that a little bit, the reason that they could get away with that, because Zen brings up a very good point. So these were cast basically on the battlefield, if not, like, right at the walls themselves... These bombards didn't actually shoot cannonballs as we know them. We have to think, we, we we have this bias towards, oh, you see a cannon, it's probably shooting like this big cast iron ball, like you see in all the Hollywood yeah. movies and stuff, you see in all the video games. The first cannons shot
0: rocks. Yeah. Wow. They're they rock shooters. And, you yeah, know, some
1: <laughs> called The Lazy Maid from uh, yeah, yeah. 1410.
0: Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, that shot yeah. rocks. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah no yeah that, that probably something we shot pr- probably should have brought up earlier is that you know you're still chucking rocks at this point yeah you know
2: you're uh, just sh- chucking somewhere. them slightly faster at this point
0: <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> slightly faster same, maybe slightly same, further same same type of same actually type probably of thing, of but more force behind point. it. Well, yeah, it wasn't so much you, of you definitely you definitely have more force, but you're probably using them a little closer. I was
2: gonna say, so yeah. it wasn't so much distance, it was very much this use when you see these bombards show up, even shooting rocks and stuff, you see a evolution of artillery strategy you know? now. Now mm-hmm. it's no longer shoot the ball over the wall, try and kill people inside, you're now just knocking the wall straight down. Because the force behind these things, even shooting just rocks and uh, whatever else they wanted to fire Dmitry brings up stone or granite was used for most of these. Yeah, they had enough force behind them that those poor little walls could not hold up anymore.
4: Yeah, right, and it makes sense because I mean you're now or... adding
0: rocks with gunpowder. <laughs> the velocity uh... is going to be way, way. Or greater. you could aim for yeah. something a little weaker, like the like the door, the front door. Well, yeah. they you know?
1: would go for the wall instead of the door, as uh, several of the siege depictions have them shooting towards the walls.
0: Yeah, you you'd, you'd have a lot of shooting towards the walls. You'd you'd probably have a few uh a few actual battering rams that you'd use for the door instead. And there's there are some battering rams that they used on walls if oh, they, okay. they didn't have like a moat, you know.
6: Mm-hmm. Hank,
0: what you got for us.
6: Uh I was just going to say if you, you guys were talking about fortifications. I threw that picture in there. That was an old rubbor covered path to protect from artillery you can see certain things similar to military castles in that design wise uh and how you're talking right now about cannons with walls another thing to look at if you're interested is how in uh the siege of constantinople their giant cannons are like the first of their times using stone balls against a wall in a siege not going over but trying to break the wall Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah you're 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 just trying to you're trying to knock the thing down. You're not really going for people at this point. You're just, you know, it's it's easier to aim it at one spot than to aim it at people that are always moving. <laughs> right. The, uh, in, and obviously in, they. W- oh, go right. ahead, son.
1: Oh, I was just going to say the picture I put in is actually the uh, siege of Orleans in 1428. Base. Go.
0: Right. Yeah, so and you can, you what can I was see different say, types of cannons in it as well. Mm-hmm.
4: It, and what I was gonna say is, like back in the day, like their mentality was, "Hey, how can we break through the wall and get as many men through as quick as possible?"
0: Right. But yeah, you're wanting what? to you're wanting to make a pretty big opening. Right. Exactly. Because their
4: their their thought process wasn't necessarily casualties or killing people on the inside. It was just how to break through and get their men inside as quick as possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and you have to figure, like, a lot of sieges, the defenders were woefully under undernumbered compared to the attackers. You had to bring big armies at this point in time to wage war. I mean, I know the modern standard is 3 to 1 now for an attack against a fortified position. It was worse back then. We're talking more like eight to 8 to 1 or 10 to 1 or something like that.
0: Yeah, but nowadays you can just drop a bomb in the middle of the fortified area and you're you know, yeah, you're,
2: and you're, oh, not, you're yeah.
0: not really you're not really facing three to one anymore. You know. Yeah, that even oh. that has changed. Yeah.
1: Well, because of that, at that time, it was not so much like oh, you could just drop a bomb or whatever. Once these cannons made a hole, the defensive army now has a choke point that every single attacker has to go through.
0: Look at this! Look at this neat little uh, th- uh, depiction that Dimitri
2: posted. That's beautiful. It's
0: not really artillery, but it looks like it's freaking burning a hole or... Blasting a hole right the... through a door, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: It is actually blowing a hole. I yeah. have a picture similar to that of... Uh, I forget I what guess... it's called.
2: It's a petard mortar, yeah. It's a petard. There you go. There
1: you go. Oh, I thought it was the other one of... Uh, the one that shot freaking bolts through doors. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, oh man, yeah.
2: that thing! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy!
4: Yeah. yeah, I would hate to be on
0: the receiving end of that one. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure.
1: Depiction by uh, this medieval painting,
0: which goes back to the which right. goes goes back to you know, if you're gonna kill somebody, you're gonna find a way to do it. You know, so yeah, you know the you better go. the better fortified your area is, the better the weapon is that someone's going to come up with to tear it down.
2: Yeah, alright, so getting a little bit back on topic, because yes, these yeah. are good points.
5: Um, <laughs> let's, let's, move
2: forward. let's move forward a little bit. We're not going to move forward quite to the Civil War in that era, but let's move forward to, like, the 1600s, 1700s, please. So let's move forward mm, to gunpowder games. Yes. Oh, yes. We're going the 30-Year War. Yes, we are. Yes. And actually, there's something specific I wanted to bring up. Not necessarily related to the 30-Year War, but who here's sort of a pop of gun? <laughs>
0: A puckle gun. I I, I've I, I have heard of puckle guns, and they sound terrifying for the people using it and for the people <laughs> on the receiving end.
2: <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know what a puckle gun is, a puckle gun is a cannon that shoots just a little one shot or one pounder shell, just a little tiny one pounder shell. But there are six of them. <laughs> it's ba- Yeah, thank you. Zane. It's basically the earliest form of a revolver that I've seen in existence. Uh, you have this thing that rotates six, um, one-pound shells in and out, and what's notable about this thing is, (laughs) um, it was made by Western nations who were very upset at Turkey at this point. No, were they Turkey? Were they still... No, they were still the Ottoman Empire at this point. They were very upset at the Ottomans for, you know, killing Constantinople (laughs) and turning it into Istanbul. Uh, so they made this this puckle gun. It was made by a guy named James Puckle from England, um... There's no really nice way to say this. They had two barrels for the thing. One shot sh- regular round shot balls, and the other shot square shot specifically for killing Turks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you
0: leave so, it to
4: yeah. the English to create something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, you know, you're. You, that's kind of getting to the point of, you know, let's let's be nice about this, and let's do as much damage as I can, you know. <laughs> and this one, this one is more specifically meant for people. You know, this is your, mm-hmm. this is your people killer. This is the one that you're firing at at a line or a, or a group of people to do as much damage as you can.
2: Yeah, yeah. And what I wanted to bring, what I really wanted to bring up for it is like you you start seeing like in the 1600s these wild um these wild advancements in artillery. Another good one to bring up that maybe Crydath knows a bit about is the Congreve rocket. About this time in, t- in history. Yes. Yes.
0: I don't think I know this one. You might have to pull up a picture of that one, too. <laughs> I got it. Thank you. Z- there you go. You uh, want yeah,
1: you're about to talk about <laughs> it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that one, Krath, or you want me to cover it?
4: Uh, go go for it, and I'll uh, jump in as news. All right.
2: Yeah. So, Congreve Rocket. Oh, boy, the Congreve Rocket. The Congreve Rocket's what we call a terror weapon, not so much a God. kill the infantry weapon. This thing was woefully inaccurate. Um, it was about as useful in actual combat as, like, war elephants are probably a good example, like Carthaginian and uh, Indian war elephants.
0: Yeah, that'd probably be inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it wasn't made to kill people. This was made to scare the absolute ever-loving crap out of everybody on the receiving end of that thing. It was literally just a ladder (laughs) with a couple of (laughs) sticks to hold it up. And they strapped a bunch of rockets on long sticks on the end of it, and launched them at the enemy. This <laughs> thing is horrifying.
4: And, and if you really think about it, this is like the evolution from the huachaca.
0: Uh, Huacha, yeah. The Huacha, yeah. Yeah, Huacha, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, the Huacha just shot so many that you're going to kill people with it if you if you have it. Right. Correctly. Same same thing it's, for this, right, they would, they would shoot
2: back- bundles on this thing. Yeah.
4: Right, but this Mm. is going back to the psychological aspect of artillery.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a honest, honest to goodness, like, the worst part of this weapon was just terrified people because it makes this loud, screamy noise. I mean, you're hearing something literally scream flying at normal cannon just goes, boom, you know, loud noise. These are rockets. They go and then they fly and hit somewhere around you and explode. They're
0: probably slower than the sound that they produce, too. Mm -hmm. Out so. there
1: in the audience that are history lovers, the depictions of the rocket were a mixture of the sound of the Katusha and the Warfare. Oh, that's uh,
2: horrifying. Sounds.
4: Yeah, that's very horrifying. Yeah, right. both of yeah. those are also
2: very uh very notable <laughs> <They're very> artillery <artistic laughs> pieces, which will be ref-
1: make... will be coming up on.
0: Soon. Oh yeah, we'll get. They would
1: make notches in the head of Sonnenbom
0: so that it would screech. Screech. Yeah. It, it, There's one. With it, be right? oh, there. Man. You go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it'd be something like a Jericho horn in the in mm-hmm. the intent,
2: or like an Aztec death whistle.
0: Yeah, or or whistling arrows. Just mm-hmm. going back to going back to like your original, uh, ranged weapons because they'd they'd have uh they'd have uh special arrowheads that would that would whistle as they uh came to you, you know.
2: Yeah, CUDA brings up a good point. Psych for our. Like, interest in artillery was really big when it first came around. You know, you got these big bombards, these cannons. Kind of dies off a little bit about the 1600s, 1700s after they've made all these crazy, funky advancements. And then we pick it up again. I'd say a little bit before World War One, I. I would say eighteen hundreds, like eighteen sixties, Civil War. And we'll get to Well you to gotta that remember
0: psychological warfare did not end at the actual weapons. That's what bagpipes were. Exactly. Are <laughs> 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 You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The bagpipes are so used in World War Two. Yeah. But but like not even not even kidding, bagpipes are considered a, a psychological warfare weapon.
2: That does uh, be- not surprise
0: me because because they're loud, you can hear them from a very bi- long distance mm-hmm. and you know that there's someone coming and they're not afraid if 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 they aren't <laughs> afraid to announce their presence, they're probably stronger than you. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know that bagpipes bagpipes are literally re- like registered as a as a weapon of war because of the psychological damage that it will it would cause because i never knew did it. survive if you did survive a engagement with a unit using bagpipes think about the next time <laughs> i never you knew know. that that's horrifying yeah no they they are they are legitimately considered a uh, considered a um a weapon weapon of warfare. that's fantastic thank um, you thank you bagpipes I do want
1: to bring up that uh, around this time, the reason why this artillery was stopping and slowing is they've reached the point now which would be considered around the Napoleonic cannons. Mm -hmm. They're very small caliber cannons, but they can be manned and moved by horses and sometimes even men. And now they're focusing more on guns for the common man and tacticians.
2: Yeah, as kind of we talked about in our um, rifles, or not rifles. When we talk about infantry, a lot of what you see in the Napoleonic era is the formation of infantry and cavalry tactics, not so much artillery.
0: Yeah, but cavalry tactics had already been around for a little while. They they mm-hmm. were they they were being used by the Romans. Yeah, you know, and and you know the Egyptians as well. Name a name a region with horses, and they probably were using them. Yeah, you're you right. Know? So, you know, you have you have your 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 cavalry is already developed um, long before, you know, because, again, if you want to kill people, find a way to do it effectively and find a way to do so while striking fear in the hearts of your enemy. Yes, Uh, because, you know, if you it's all part of the arms race. You see a lot of of evolving weapons that mm-hmm. look very similar from different cultures because they're stealing the ideas from each other after engagements,
4: yeah, right. It, it's also important to note the effective range of these oh, yeah. artillery pieces throughout time
3: I think like, I you, think you... you
4: you end up going from like almost a longer stance with like the medieval weapons. To almost like a shorter uh like 500 to 800 meter engagement range for like these very early on uh gunpowder cannons
2: Mm -hmm, these bombards yeah
4: yeah and these bombards to then eventually getting up and slowly uh increasing in increments of range as time goes on
0: and and those increments only get faster you know like they, they only get further apart they get further apart. You know, they become closer, more effective. closer and closer mm-hmm. uh, to each other because they start they start getting really good at it. So you start seeing cannons. They started off with those bigger guns that were more for tearing a hole in a wall to something that you could fire from a distance at walls and people, and then you start getting things that hit harder. And if they hit harder, they can probably shoot further. And if they shoot further you can probably put something a little bigger in there, mm-hmm. you know? So you're, you're starting to, as, as they're perfecting it, mm-hmm. it's getting better and better, quicker and quicker. Yes. You know, you're, you, you have a slow beginning, but they get into it and they make it work. So, you know, you, you're, you have your Napoleonic cannons and they don't see too much change between, you know, your, your Napoleonic war stuff to your Civil War stuff, but right after the Civil War, boy oh boy, do you get some very interesting cannons? Some,
1: you... Well, it's even before this the Napoleon War that you had cannons similar to Napoleon, like the yeah. Swedes. Brought oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That looked extremely like the Napoleon. Is that what you posted yeah. a picture of? Your, was it? Yeah, that's a Swedish cannon from the Thirty Year War.
2: That's dope go. looking.
0: Yeah, that's that's very that and it looks. You know, almost the exact same. You have the exact same concept, and you have the exact same reasons for things like the bucket. You know, that's that's where you're that's where you're getting your uh, your water to do the swabs to clear the embers out of your cannon after you fire, so you can reload the thing without having to wait for the embers to burn out.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do want to bring up that uh, at this time, this goes along with artillery. But one of my favorite people to talk about. Uh, Gustavus Adolphus, who was the king of Sweden at that time, was the one integrating these tactics of using the cannons, not just as artillery siege engines, but to actually start using them as a way to move with infantry. He combined the artillery, the cavalry, and the infantry and used it all together in every fight. Yeah. It the first time they had an integrated system. Which combined uh, at the time the Spanish method and the French method of warfare.
2: Mm-hmm. And I would love to just hit on that, but man, I'm looking at 52 minutes already. So, with that yeah. said, uh, let's but move on to this. Civil...
1: Started getting bigger. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and saying yeah, so that, let's move on to the Civil War. Yeah, let's let, let's go to the Civil War. So, oh what, man, some what really... we're used to. What we're used to in the game that we uh, that we. Met each war other rights. from and stuff. War arise. We're used to field guns, but that's not the only guns they used. No, uh, they. Um, one of one of my ex- my favorite things is the Dahlgren on one of the maps. Uh, oh, for, on the Ferry that we play uh, for Harper's Ferry, yeah. which they actually did that they actually did use, and I believe it took something like five hundred to a thousand people to actually haul it up the hill.
2: Yes. So, what we're talking about, for those of you who don't know, is there was a, I want to say a 50-pounder Dahlgren gun, which, man, that's a big shell.
1: similar shell.
2: Thank you, Zim. A 50-pounder Dahlgren cannon that was hauled up what's known as Maryland Heights overlooking Harper's Ferry, which, if you've ever seen it in real life, if you haven't, I recommend you go Google Maryland Heights. These are steep cliffs. I mean this is a steep rocky hill that they hauled this thing up and it literally took five hundred to a thousand men to haul this thing up to the top of the hill. And that's just one gun.
0: Yeah. And that and that's why I, I believe they only had the one up there. Yes. You know, because you're just like, Alright, we got the one, it shoots it shoots uh bigger rounds, but we're not gonna bring another one up because it just doesn't make sense to No. But, you know, a Dogrin is more of a, like, ship cannon anyways, because it's just not too realistic to drag it around. And probably the only reason they had it there in the first place is because of the river that was there.
2: Yeah, if I remember right, they literally took it off one of their ironclads.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But there was also other cannons used that were similar in size, but they were mainly used in placements. Mm-hmm. yeah you get forts and stuff so. yeah
0: you, you have you have your your ones that you keep at strategic areas to to hit you know the the people trying to attack you and then you have your smaller ones that you can actually bring around with you and your smaller ones you know are just as scary as the big ones they just don't explode as big you yeah know, the, the payload the payload isn't as big.
1: And some of those get real scary towards the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let's talk and, about and,
2: um, let's talk about uh, oh, what's it called? It'll come back to me. Continue. I'm sorry. Like
0: Whitworth or the? Uh,
2: I think uh, I'll uh, cover those, Cannon. but that's not what I was yeah. thinking of.
0: Um, well, I think I think uh, we need to touch up on the ammunition that we're now using because yes. it's no longer it's no longer stones and or flaming, round shot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> stones or whatever. Or, or just a, a cannonball made of stone, or whatever you. you I'm know. Strong, thank You baby. now, now you're now you're using a uh, something that is made out of metal, or you're using something that has a timer and it explodes. Yeah, let's and talk
2: about our favorite type of round: the case shell.
0: <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> I believe I, I believe it's. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. speaking of the case shell, since it's the one that blows up, uh, there's an account of a artillery officer who had a case round sink into the ground underneath him. And he was so, he was so like, he, he loved artillery so much and he was so like that, that was his thing that he just stayed there and he looked down and he's like this, I'm standing right above where this thing is, and if it had gone off, I would have been dead <laughs> because he he didn't he didn't move anywhere he he like he 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 took the moment to calculate where the round had gone, <laughs> knowing the angle that it came into the earth <laughs> so Man. Uh, the browns i the round may have been dug up or it may still be there, but um. Yeah, the, the, some friggin, I think it was some union artillery officer was just like, yeah, that would have killed me if it had gone off.
2: Yeah, for those of you who are less inclined on these weapons and stuff, a case shell is somewhere in the middle of what's called round shot, or just uh, just regular shot. Solid. Solid shot, yeah, thank you. Um, solid shot just keeps going, you know, you shoot it, it goes, it bounces, it hits somebody, goes through somebody, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't spread apart or anything. And then you've got, on the far opposite end of the spectrum, you've got canister, which is just take a giant shotgun and put it into a cannon.
1: It's like Grapeshot.
2: It, it is, effectively, Grapeshot. It's just modernized and stuck into a can, which is why it's called canister. You know, yeah. it keeps it together a little longer longer range. Yeah, I believe
0: I believe Grapeshot was still used, but it was more for ship stuff. <laughs> yes, you're you bet. Know, right. you're, you're yes, using Grapeshot it, you're was more for rips. Rip, you're using it to, like, rip up sails and, and friggin' just do damage to the actual So, like, you're... Side. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like your grape
4: shot and your chain shot were definitely more yeah, tailored and, and it was bigger rounds and It was yes. bigger yeah. rounds too. So yes, but however, let's not forget one of artillery's sisters, mortars.
2: I was gonna wait yes. till World War One to touch on those. Okay, okay,
4: okay we yeah. we can touch that on World War One because World War One is when
2: that really comes to back to prominence, and then we can just go over yep. all of the mortar stuff in World War One.
3: Perfect, perfect.
2: Yeah. Okay, uh, going back to Case Shot, though. Case Shot is this kind of red-headed stepchild in the middle of canister in Solid Shot. It flies out and then shrapnels out and explodes. So I guess a modern equivalent would be Shrapneling
0: Shot. Yeah, but I mean... It's, I, I, I'm not sure about the actual makeup of the internal, but I believe it's just something that it has a fuse and it blows up, and the actual round is the shrapnel. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah. Not entirely. Yeah, I could be not entirely? Uh, from what I'm seeing of several depictions here, I'm trying to find a good one. Mm-hmm. Here's okay. one I got of all the rounds together. Um, oh, thank you. They, they you. would take a solid shot and hollow it out. Okay. And. Put a bunch of uh, bearings in there, for lack of a better term. Trapnel, and put a, and put in gunpowder with it, and mm. then put a fuse to that. So when they shot it, it would hit, and it would still have that fuse on it, and it would then light the fuse. Boom.
2: Yeah, it, looks it was like an impact case, fuse. Probably. It looks like
0: the yeah, it looks like the K shot has an impact fuse on it, where it just hits and lights.
2: Yeah, and man we've seen these in our in our game that we play and in other games as well as you know historical depictions of K shot. It is brutal.
0: Yeah. It and, and that's the game's depiction. Of course it, like the actual shot I I definitely wouldn't be standing up if I got knocked over by it, you know?
2: No, I mean compare it to like <laughs> I, I I think a good way to compare it to it is like a shrapnel mine but launched at you. And
0: you also you also can't forget that what exactly an explosion does to the atmosphere around you, mm -hmm. because you know it's it's fire and it's probably going to suck all the air out of your lungs if it comes if it comes in contact with you close enough, you know. And that's if the force doesn't break your ribs. Yeah. On
1: the picture I'm posting now, the left one is a case, middle (laughs) is solid, right is canister.
2: Beautiful. Thank you, Zoom.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, that's. That's scary. scary. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's horrifying. Sure. And, and for those for those you know listen listening, and you don't really see what we're looking at. The canister is think of you have a piece of cloth, and it's a you know it's a bag, and you have your you have your propellants in there, and then you basically you basically have a, a tin can. Book. Yeah, you have a wood plug, and then attached to that is a tin can with all the with all your rounds inside of it that would burst out kind of like a shotgun and just do all that damage.
6: Surprise.
0: Yeah. The next one, of course, is same thing, a big bag full of your propellant, a wood plug, and it's a ball that is literally strapped onto that plug with metal. And that ball is just, you know, solid. It'll hit you real hard. Yeah. And then the last one's the same thing, but it's got a little bit different of a end piece that holds it on. Mm-hmm. And it looks like that's where you it's kind of got it. the fuse. Yeah, yeah. It's got the fuse up in the front and, you know, you're just not having a great time. honestly.
2: No, I will say if you've ever watched like If you ever watch historical movies, a good one, even though it's not really that historical, a good one to understand how cannonballs work in this time period is Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Because, man, there's some brutal scenes in that where you literally just watch a ball skip out and go through some dude's knee, and it's horrifying.
0: Yeah, you know, if you get hit in the right spot, there's probably not much of you left to bring home. Mm -hmm. You know, at the... At the right distance, you know. Right distance, right load. <laughs> at the right load, distance, right going load, you're chunks off of a person, you know.
2: Yeah, right distance, right <laughs> load, you're going in home in a bag, on a coffin.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're, it, it, it ain't pretty. That's that's where a lot of, um, that's where a lot of those uh, l- uh lost in action deaths are, you know. Yeah, because uh, we
2: didn't have dog tags at the time, and really even after this, they didn't help that much when it comes to wounds and casualties like this.
0: Yeah,
1: we're. You... That, the adventure, in, uh, to Henry Shrapnel.
2: Yes. Excellent. But, but yeah, um, something yeah. else right. that was touched on, now that we've touched on artillery, just to keep it flowing a little bit, I'm looking at the time here. Let's talk about yeah, the Whitworth fine. gun. Let's talk about my favorite gun, the yes. Whitworth gun. I am a shill for Whitworth rifles and <laughs> cannons. I'm not apologetic about that. Y'all can fight me. I know it was terrible, but y'all can fight me. Um, something something that's really notable about the Whitworth specifically, even though it wasn't that great of a cannon, uh, if you read accounts from both Confederate and Union crews that used the weapon uh, to small effect, they didn't really like it for anti- anti-infantry use because it's a very small shell, 2, uh, two and three quarter inch. Um, but it was very good for anti. Thank you, Zen. It was very good for counter battery fire, and it was really, really good for one specific reason. It had a breach.
0: Yeah, I couldn't imagine actually like trying to load the um, the shaped round into the editor. the front of
2: that thing. Yeah, because it's literally just a. Re- it's a. If you look at it, it's an octagon or er, yeah. a yeah. hexagon.
0: Well, you're also <laughs> starting
2: you to look, look at, at that the round. first
4: like. You're also starting to look at like the first technical advances of we're now going from front-loading artillery to and now using loading. A reach and now yeah. breech-loading artillery, which is a huge technological advantage. Yeah, and the Whitworth yeah.
2: was fast to fire. I mean, you could load off what like four or five rounds a minute with this thing, which is crazy oh, when I you imagine. think of when you think of artillery. Opposed of to fire. like
4: one uh, every definitely two definitely to three good. minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah opposed. Thank you, Zinn. Opposed to one every... Oh, that's a really good one right there. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to one every two, maybe three minutes.
0: Depending on the crew. Depending
2: on A good right. good crew could probably do it in one and a half, I think. If they were on their game, not under fire, you know, everything's going their way.
0: Yeah, you're, they're, they're firing at a decent distance from the actual front line.
2: Yeah. This thing could put out 425 a minute.
0: And yeah, like I said, it wasn't... Every cannon out there
1: at this time. Yeah. Except for...
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, the Whitworth had an operational range depending on which model you're using. They came in two sizes, they came in 6-pounder and 12-pounder. The 6-pounder had an operational range of, I believe, 1,800 yards, and the 12-pounder came in an operational range of just over that, about 1,850-1,900 yards.
0: Yeah. Compare
2: which...
1: that to, like, your normal gun of the day, which was or rifle of the rifled cannon. Sorry. You're good. Which I can't remember the name but for the life of me right the, now.
2: the three inch ordinance or the parrot? Parrot.
1: Parrots. <clears throat> yeah, it's parrots the parrot guns. A, a, quite a bit shorter than the Whitworth.
0: Yeah. But that's yeah. also, that's probably also depending on the size of the gun.
1: Well, Whitworth yeah. had about, or parrots and Whitworth had about the same round charges.
0: Parrot ten well, pounders
2: did. Uh, parrots also came in twenty pounds, which fired up to yeah. I want to say sixteen hundred yard, and the thirty pounder parrot, which fired to about twenty hundred yard or two thousand yards.
0: Yeah, that, that, the, I'm referring to the like the large parrots, yeah. but I believe those are probably. I, I think once you get up into those sizes, they start getting dangerous because of the rounds that the the forcing for the, crew, the yeah. cannon.
2: Yeah, those were more, like, built-in siege rifles. Those were yeah. not really used a whole lot except by the Union and mostly used in defensive capability.
0: Yeah, you've got you've got your safe sizes, and then you've got your sizes that you really shouldn't be playing around with. Mm-hmm.
2: But I we did anyway.
1: A light correction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Parrot not only had those two, they also had a 70-pounder.
2: That's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. That is very horrifying. I'm guessing that was a naval gun.
1: <laughs> yeah. It okay. Was a
0: naval and fort
1: gun. It was not <laughs> mainly used, but what still. What is this it, cannon? It what is this? This
0: cannon is a here? seventy pounder parrot. It looks like a Whitworth. Look at that. No, it's, it's a seventy pounder Whitworth. That's a seventy pounder Whitworth. Oh wow! <laughs> oh my say, lord! That, I was gonna say that looks like a Whitworth. Look at the barrel. That's crazy. Yeah. That's
2: actually crazy.
0: You learn something new every day, you know. <laughs> hey, can we but get
2: that's... the hey hey trusty Jim, can we get that in War Rights, please?
0: Yeah, no kidding.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I would like to point out though that the breech versus the front load, mm-hmm. there had to be the very, very concise like powder equivalent
0: yeah. to go out because you didn't want to blow the breach out the back mm-hmm. by overpowdering. Yeah. That that gun so heavy that it broke the wheel of uh, overtime.
2: Oh, that's yeah. crazy. And actually, that reminds me of another very important cannon around this time, the C68. I bet most of you have not heard of what a C68 is. I don't
3: know. No, I haven't heard of it.
2: it. So, the C68 was made by one of my favorite mans, because I'm a terrible, stinky German lover. Uh, it was made by the, the company Krupp. Uh, this is back in the Prussia days, back before Germany was a state, and it was used in the Franco Prussian War, and was also a breech loading cannon, and was regarded for the time one of the finest cannons in the world because this thing could shoot like 2,100 yards and had a sh- shell comparable to a Whitworth or a 10-pounder Parrot.
0: Very nice.
2: It was also breech loading and shot like 5 or 6 rounds per minute. <laughs> Krupp gun was very good. Uh, used very good ammunition from all reports that we do have which, you know, to be fair, grain of salt we don't have a whole lot of reports from Prussia anymore. It kind of stopped existing when Germany happened.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, I think, that's uh, a, that's I, second I think part the. Of history is, you know, if it's not written down, it's, it's, it's lost. forever lost. And if right. it's written down, there's a chance it gets destroyed.
2: But yeah, even the French Probably were by not the happy fighting.
0: That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably by the cannons that they had recorded.
2: Yeah. Even the French did not like shoot fighting this thing.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, um, move if we want to move forward a little bit I don't know about you but like the breech loader was definitely like that technological advancement that definitely made or broke a war if you really think about it I mean we get
2: to to the Spanish-American War and the Spanish are still fighting with older Napoleonic guns if I remember correctly and the Americans have brought up at the time I want to say they were using Armstrong's Armstrong cannons which are basically just modernized Whitworth's that were actually useful (laughs) And Gatlings as well. Yeah, they did bring some Gatlings, which yeah. I'm not sure if we want to cover Gatlings.
0: Is that really? Uh, I, believe, I believe you would con. Yeah, um, Gatling guns were considered artillery at the time because of because how you wield them. Rounds. They, yeah. they they are they are considered artillery.
2: Right, I'll, that is I'll...
0: crazy to think about because they're shooting a rifle caliber. Fifty
2: five. Yeah. yeah,
4: but they're considered artillery.
2: Yeah, I they, will. S- I will say let's well, keep it a little light on the Gatlings because I know we covered them when we covered machine guns for infantry. Yeah. Right. So we can we can go light there, but yeah, Gatling gun—that's another one. A yeah, um, Gatling
0: gun, moving barrel, baby, basically a puckle gun, but instead of instead of the round moving, it was the uh, the, the barrel moving. moving. Yep.
1: I did see. I don't know how accurate this is, but I did see one of a man called uh, Henry Clay Pat Pate who tried to get a revolving cannon
0: that's pretty cool and you know you can you can see at the time that you know you're you're still thinking of of how do i shoot this faster um or how do i reload this faster and at the time of course the the first thought is i'll just swap the barrel yeah but you know now you're getting into, you know you have you have your Gatling gun, and that's got a got a uh, clip fed, or hmm. not a clip. It's got a magazine fed. It's a uh, it's
2: fed so- from a. Technically, it's a clip because you stick it on the top. It's not actually a magazine. It's a tube that you stick on top.
0: I don't think it's a clip either. Gravity it's mag, weird. Yeah, fair
2: enough. It, it, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's,
0: it's not a it's not a clip because it's not uh, a clip. Is like. What you would have for um, uh, a bolt for action your, like, rifles, bolt yeah. actions and stuff that, that that would be considered a clip, mm-hmm. but it is a mag, just like the early machine guns that you would uh, that you know you were you would see in the First World War.
2: Yeah, or like Dimitri just posted, man, that's a funky yeah, looking double, double cannon. Yeah,
0: Double cannon. Wow, that
4: is funky.
2: But you did also have puckle cannons. Yeah, that oh, yeah. Is true. Getting getting now into the World, First World War. Yeah, you mentioned. I
4: think we need to. I think we need to start slightly before the First World War with a French seventy-five.
2: Ooh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna kind of touch on that because I was gonna touch on QF guns.
4: Because a French seventy-five is mm-hmm. what we would consider today as the very first of modern artillery.
2: Yes, I'll let you talk on that one, pretty Why well, don't yeah, like, so... get a
4: picture up and? and I'm already doing it. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Sir yeah so the french seventy five is like your what you would exactly see as what you would expect as a modern artillery piece. It was a seventy five millimeter artillery, uh breech loaded of course um and it was developed by of course the French uh, who else but the French to develop something as significant as this uh-huh. uh, I mean, I say that kind of ironically, because the French definitely did come up with a bunch of really cool uh weapons or advancements in technology. But to have con- conceived the very first modern artillery piece is definitely a huge technological advantage, especially moving into the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And right before World War II, or, or not World War II, geez, World yeah. War One starts. I mean, they ended up using this gun um, all the way through the wars, like World War One, World War Two. It was used by multiple countries because of how technologically advanced it was. If I remember uh, just right, it's,
2: abso- I was gonna say if I remember right, they used it in, um, during their stint in Vietnam
0: as well in the fifties. And i'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the um, the like the depiction of this, and it looks like it's. Probably one of your first um, hydraulic recoil systems. It does it look fires, like it fires. Yes, it fires. It fires around the the actual rifle shoots back, but the 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 mm-hmm. the rest of it doesn't. So it's only the barrel basically moving back after it's fired and then res- resetting in front. So yeah, so yes. they call
4: that the hydro-pneumatic recoil mechanism, which is exactly that. The gun yeah, barrel slides back on rollers system. and resets the muzzle.
2: Yes, and so something that's really important to note about this is this gun specifically is what gave rise to the British QF series of rifles. If you've ever heard of a quick fire rifle or something like that, like your okay. British QF twenty-five pounders or seventeen pounders, all these like very notable British guns that we used from World War One, World War Two, all the way through to like the seventies, basically. This gun is directly responsible for those because it t- it had that hydraulic brake on it, and then the British decided, well, that's not good enough, and so they just they just went ham on it. You know, they they created a you know even better hydraulic brake. It worked it worked a little bit more reliably than the seventy five, um, and that's where we get all these big huge barrages in World War One. That you have these like st- hundreds of guns just blasting and blasting and blasting, and being able to effectively hit the same position they just shot at because you don't have to roll the gun back in the position anymore
0: it also it also is uh pointing out in this that Mm -hmm. because of the new breach system the fire rate was 15 rounds per minute which is insane yeah think about think about what they're using not even like ten years before like fifty years yeah you know, like you know you're you're still using your regular freaking uh cannons and now you have this beast compared to it yeah I mean and can- of course no I, I you never get away from the original design of a cannon mm-hmm. I you know I, I think that's fair to say even even modern cannons still resemble your old-fashioned cannon systems to the to the mo- more basic levels the only thing that really changes is how they're loaded the size of the gun and how far it goes most definitely
2: yeah I mean look at look at your modern 105s today 105s, um American long tom howitzer I forget what the modern designation howitzer is called um, it, the,
4: the 155
2: yeah I know the, it's not the long tom anymore it's um
4: no the long tom was retired a while
2: ago yeah it was retired back in the 80s uh what is it called it's like the one three something
1: oh oh you're talking i know what you're talking
2: about like the one that the army uses today not the paladin but the actual like howitzer. Are... i can't remember off the top of my head sorry
0: it's military folk
4: hey, who work with them. It, it, it's oh, m1114 1114 thank you sir here we go. It's a 114. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think it's also kind of significant to think that 75 millimeters for artillery uh, for this day and age, especially in the late 1800s, like 1890s, was kind of big for a quote unquote artillery piece. However, looking forward like into World War I, it wasn't even close to being significant.
0: No, I mean you like, look at World War I ones... went
4: absolutely massive with their artillery pieces.
0: And, and their barrages as well. Yeah. You know, you're this goes back to the if you're going to kill someone, do it effectively. So now you now you're getting a new type of ammunition uh that'll that'll be doing more damage and it's coming down from a more vertical uh slope. Your 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 um your artillery is kind of intermingling with your mortars now oh. because of the the vertical uh, verticalness of the the round. And Barracuda had something to say, so I brought him up here. Go
1: ahead, Barracuda.
0: Well, gosh, don't be shy.
6: Barracuda.
0: I don't
5: think your mic's coming through, Barracuda. Sorry, I forgot I had to push the talk on.
0: You <laughs> you're <go>.
3: fine. <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: I believe what you're talking about in World War I is like the doctrine and uh, the idea of indirect fire, mm-hmm. which is, with the guns being so advanced at the time, um, they're determining the mathematics for the azimuth of the round. So as prior, in the wars prior, we would actually have to have eyes on the target with the cannon. In World War One, where we have a, a more improved system, we don't have to have eyes on target anymore. We can use the math to determine azimuth around the apex, where it's going to uh, hit the highest, where it's going to come down with all the math, and land that round within about 10 feet.
2: Yeah, and that's only gotten better as time's gone on.
5: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. as time's gone on, I mean, that's... You know, you're just spotting with a map and calling yeah. it in now.
0: Yeah, you could, I, you could probably drop a freaking round within a couple feet now. I
5: can't. Right, uh, yeah.
0: Go ahead. Uh, oh, go
4: ahead. I, was I was gonna say... To it. I was gonna say, it's um, it, it's... It's different, so, like, you look at a lot of like early artillery, it's almost like almost a direct fire weapon, kind of like a little lob to World War One where you're now literally shooting in the air to try to drop it on. Cause you think about it, earlier wars, everyone's out in the open, no one's dug into trenches or anything like that. Now all of a sudden you got World War One, people are dug into trenches. You need to now lob shots and hope it lands in the trenches to inflict as many casualties as possible.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're you're like what you would consider a mortar for, for like your Napoleon time time period is kind of being intermingled with the, the cannons now. And now your mortars are something else entirely.
2: So, if I wow. may, before we get on to artillery itself, um, speaking of thing going up in the air and coming back down, man, isn't it funny how we've just cycled right back around the trebuchets, boys?
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shells, man. Yeah, props, props, to, props to same, t- uh, same concept, different technology. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you, you, it's, it's always been the same concept, always trying to hurdle something
2: the really, high, really, sides, far.
0: really high, really far, Or really hard. You know, yeah, there is one
1: thing I want to add with that is mm-hmm. the four superpower. or well, I say superpowers with quotations at that time. The French were focusing on. cannon like the 75 Mm -hmm. the americans were focusing on stuff like the armstrong and their siege weaponry the british were focused on getting as fire rate as fast as they can freaking get it but then you had the germans with the prussian military who were focused solely on siege artillery
2: man they made some wild siege artillery uh some of the uh, austrians for that matter
1: coming out of the beginning of the war they already had guns similar to Big Bertha. Which, yeah. for those that do not know, was a one of the largest artillery pieces ever fielded with a 42-centimeter cannon.
2: Yes, sir. I mean, let's look at the Austrians. They're, they're, they're buddies for a minute. The Austrians, the Mad Lads that they are, came up with... The Skoda Ironworks came up with a 60-centimeter siege mortar that was used throughout World War I.
0: Yeah. And then let's not forget that now your artillery can move. Yeah. And the crew inside of it is armored.
2: Oh, try to post a picture of the Paris gun, yeah. There
0: you go. Yeah. Uh, um I believe there was a gun that they had like basically built into a hillside or something the Germans mm-hmm. and like the goal was to try and hit the uh mainland of Britain. of uh Britain from oh, that France.
1: The, that was the World War II.
0: Oh, yes. That was, that was World War II. Yeah, that was World War yeah, 2. But but
1: yeah. The uh, the N word or not N word? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, the small mustache man's super weapons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow! How did you get got, there?
2: Caught wow. live in four K.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to say the N A. You know what? Word, oh, I got you.
2: I see what you mean. I understand. That. Because <laughs> of Twitter. Woo!
1: Her- this cuz i didn't want to say the freaking small mustache man's party <laughs> the, the the
2: the the funny the funny <laughs> 1940 you're going. the Somewhere funny <laughs> one. the funny 1940s germans yeah the austrian painter <laughs> yeah the funny 1940s germans we don't talk about
5: yeah, yeah it's like wikipedia it takes that. four I just, clicks i
1: don't want to say that name and get mm-hmm. you banned <laughs>
2: yeah. you're good um but yeah uh, let's do a little little side side build here uh, now that we're into World War One, and I talked a little bit about. It, let's talk
0: about mortars, boys. Yes, yeah. yes, I, I believe uh, we the need to talk about mortars, because you know, early on, your mortars, some of them, the barrels were made out of wood. You like literal wooden cannons, and they they work kind of more like a mortar than an actual cannon, because they're lobbing rocks up. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about.
2: Uh I know the Japanese had something like that during yeah, the Bushin Wars, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's more what I'm referring to is the Japanese. They they mm-hmm. had some it, you know literally just bamboo. Yeah, have.
2: they had a lot of bamboo, not a lot of steel. Make them it's out of like bamboo. A Star
0: Trek episode. And and you know for for its intended purposes it worked, you know. yeah, It's just a hollowed out piece of wood or bamboo that that shot they rock reinforced, they reinforced it with some like Whatever they had, and it worked.
2: Yeah, shot rocks out of it. Still killed people.
0: Yeah, but you know, you, you go, you go, kind of from that to these very big, just very thick. Looks like a half of a cannon, just very thick, but it just it shot something. A lot bigger than your regular cannon, and it needed to arc it up to try and get it to where they wanted it to go mm-hmm. um you you see you see examples of these on ships, and if they put it on a ship that wasn't outfitted for mortars it could it could sink the ship
2: it was which literally- is why you
0: typic- the downward force which- of it yeah. yeah,
4: which is why you only typically saw them on men of wars.
2: Yeah, because it was the only ship at the time when we were building these wooden ships that could actually hold up to a mortar.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Especially with how big those mortars were.
2: Yeah, because I, I mean, mean they
4: weren't small by any means. No,
2: we're talking about something that was probably like wider than a man's head.
0: Yeah can can we get an example of this in the in our because uh, we're, disc- we're, we're, we're kind of backtracking for the sake of mortars so we have an understanding of of um, modern mortars. Yes. Okay. Give me a so. Time.
2: Yeah, and uh, even the even the infantry like
6: you're around I'm having to, like you're good. Get different
2: yeah. even the infantry yeah. portable ones that we see in sieges like used against things such as um, oh, what do you call them uh, star forts, you know, because in you know, star fort you don't just shoot regular cannon it's just going to bounce off and roll up because of the design of yeah. fort. Yep. Uh, you see these mortars literally it has to be carried by like five or six dudes. Like for one, yeah, yeah. There you go. Look at that. Ship you right could there. you could probably fit a small man inside that.
4: Yeah. I mean, look at the dude that's standing right next to it. He literally could fit inside that mortar. tube.
0: Yeah, you could fit don't a know, whole it, it, man it looks, inside that tube. That one, that one there in particular looks a little small, but the next mm-hmm. one up looks like it might. Right. There's, like, well, there's also a really cool
2: it's, picture it's, out there that I remember of a CSA Civil War mortar, uh, but they mounted on a train car.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, is, I think that's the one right there. That I think that is it right there. Yeah,
4: yeah. That I I like love it. I love the fact how artillery got bigger, but as time progressed, mortars got smaller.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is which is really interesting to think about because the artillery took the place that the that those go. that's time, the ones that in period you. The, the the artillery took that time periods mortars job because exactly. now it lobs it at a different angle.
2: Yeah, so mortar, the mortars, once we get into like World War One and stuff, stop being a big siege weapon, and now it's an infantry portable weapon. So the we, first real good example we get is the Stokes mortar. Uh, and then that, that's going back to World War One. I'm sorry for making you jump around a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, British, It's a British two-pound... two-pounds? Might be two-inch. Uh, I don't remember. But it's a very small like, infantry portable mortar. But man, this thing revolutionized Trench warfare.
0: Yeah, because you now you're now now it's the example. Yeah, thank you. Look at you. that. Now, now you're now instead of trying to lob a like solid shot or something, you're lobbing something more along the lines of a grenade.
2: Yeah, and yes. I mean, uh, early mortar, two inch, like sixty millimeter. It's a small shell compared to a lot of these other big cannons.
0: Yeah, and and grenades themselves ha- being around for a decent amount of time.
5: Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know, the the concept of grenades weren't anything new and the concept of mortars weren't anything new, but the way you use them changed. Yeah. You know, now now it's uh now mortars are more personal like you can carry it around with your buddy and lob something with pretty decent accuracy. And you can do it from the bottom of a of a foxhole or a or a trench or something. You know, you, you don't have to worry about exposing yourself to the enemy. To yeah, lob that thing.
2: The Germans even had one that was really revolutionary called the Minenwerfer. The the Minenwerfer,
0: I think, is how you pronounce that.
2: Uh, they just call it the Mini. It's called it Mini. Um yeah. Basically, the same same idea, but it shoots six. You know, it's a six barrel weapon, but it's still a mortar. I got one of the single barrel, but I'll try to find a six. If you can, that'd be cool. There you go. Uh, close, uh... close to... <laughs> no, we're not talking about the knee mortar. Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, no, that's, that's the next war. <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> Japanese that, that thing... Japanese knee mortar, the most useless mortar <laughs> in existence, because you don't put it on. Your I don't knee. even
4: know. I don't even know if you can really classify that as a
0: mortar. As far that's as that's a grenade launcher. <laughs> it's just yeah. a grenade launcher. So, Jap- what, what, is, what is a grenade launcher? But a but a, a, a very small mortar. Very small mortar, you know. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. But yeah, uh, but yeah. I, we, think we, consider, we, I think I'd consider a underbound uh, grenade launcher something of a of an of a small piece of artillery. You know. I'm gonna bully you,
2: but yeah. Getting, <laughs> getting, getting back on topic here, because we are we are running out of time. Um yeah. World War 1, you see these mortars start to develop, you know, and then you get to World War 2 and they become refined. So World right. War 2 you've very, got a lot of the good ones.
0: Very refined. Now, now you, now you so you sort of got your Pins and you can You got the accuracy and Yeah, have... you've
2: got the Russian BM mortar series, you've got the American M2, uh the British modernized the Stokes to be a 3-inch. Uh I don't remember what the French had, but I know they had a good one. Uh the German one, the Granite wear for thirty four, was notable, very, very notable for being a eighty four millimeter mortar and just outranging anything that the Western Allies had for the most part mortar was.
1: They had a lance, by the way,
0: the French.
2: They had a lance, I love
0: got it. I love it. Just just kinda getting away from from... Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the freaking tank <laughs> suppressor. <laughs> the the tank, the tank suppressor. suppressor. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was a fifty
0: millimeter. Sorry, 50 sorry, millimeter. sorry to go off on that weird tangent to the audience who's blame little... Dimitri. <laughs> blame no Dimitri. concept of what, what we saw, but it, the, the I'll uh, probably
2: the make that. Code. I'll
0: make that the if you
2: <laughs> I'll yeah, make that the shoot uh, uh, a
4: search tank suppressor. That's all you need to know.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I'll make I'll make that it's the very, cover funny art. Looking, very funny
0: looking, very <laughs> funny. I'll
2: make that the cover art and immediately ideas. get banned from Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, but yeah. So you see this mortar uh, just get really refined, and we still use mortars today, and they pr- they pretty much function the same way that they did in World War One and World War Two. You give yeah, them yeah. to an infantry squad. You say go out there and mortar things to death, and they just go out there and launch mortars at things.
0: And like I said, the concept has not changed throughout the eras. No, you know, it, the the concept is always the same. Kill you know kill kill them the, as effectively as possible here are your main jobs yep yeah. but we also have artillery whose intended purpose was not for was you know the round wasn't intended to come down because of new technology like airplanes
2: yeah anti aircraft artillery let's talk about that to wrap Ooh, things up yes
4: yeah pack 88s huh yeah, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a that's a fun a one to talk example. about yeah that's that a great a example because
0: they about. were they were used quite often you know that's that's well, your that's your defense that, those are your and, defense artillery kind and of things. not
4: and not only that like they're so multi-purpose they're able to do anti-aircraft they're able to do artillery shooting and they're able to do anti-tank like talk about a well-rounded piece that could do pretty much anything artillery-related. Yeah, I don't yeah. know
2: what the Germans were smoking when they came up with the flugel But it was good. <laughs> but but I want really some it of good. it. I want some of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Hoping, if I remember correctly, they were hoping to have a shell that could explode big enough to deal with, like, the bombers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what and, it did, yeah.
3: And
1: then uh, somebody was getting assaulted and they just freaking turned the camera turned it down. down. And they found yep. out hey, this rips through armor this as well. <laughs> yeah, and then of course it was <laughs> really was pretty dang good. And of course it was
2: really popularized by Erwin Rommel in the Africa campaign because you hear all these stories, and you know some of them are true, some of them are not. I uh, don't really have the time to get into some of the falsehoods that the Ger- the funky German men told. Um, but you have these stories of Rommel doesn't have tanks. Germany doesn't really have a lot of tanks left because they all guess what? They all died at El Alamein. Thanks, Germany. <laughs> um, but, so you have these stories of, well, how are we going to stop this giant British blob of tanks coming at us? Well, let us we have all these Flak 88s. They have time shells that'll go vaguely through British tank armor. And so they just, you know, started using those and outranged them, and they liked the, tank, the Flak 88 so much for anti-tank usage that they made specified shells for it and stuck it in the Tiger tank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It... <laughs> and of course that that kind of aa um is a far cry from your russian aa at the time which you know CSU some of it was, and like, yeah and and then and then you also have examples where it's just like people with either guns strapped to sticks basically to yeah. all kind of fire at the same time to just a platoon of like Russian soldiers laying on their back firing rifles at the at the aircraft that were flying over.
2: So I have a funny story about that. So the Japanese Arisaka rifle, Arisaka 30, type 38 rifle,
0: yeah, had anti-aircraft <laughs> yes. sights. My favorite Battlefield 5.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so the Japanese Arisaka rifle had anti-aircraft sites, and there was reportedly zero idea if this is true or not. But reportedly, they shot down a Chinese observation plane with it, probably just a Piper Cub biplane kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Type 99, yeah, I think you're right, Bear I think it was a Type 99, but probably wrong. It was a ter-
4: yeah, it probably was a Type. 99. I think
0: the 38 was the carbine variant. Yeah, but but there's yeah. so many. There's so many type, whatever's in the yeah. Japanese army. Japanese army. This time, there's there, there's at least a
2: Type 99 machine gun I know, so thanks Japan. Uh, but yes, yeah, so reportedly, uh, a Japanese platoon did shoot down a plane with their their Arisaka rifle. So I guess a rifle can be Canada's anti-aircraft artillery.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, one the first ones, the, he made an anti-balloon cannon. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be one of the first anti-aircraft which is the one I posted about.
2: Yeah, I saw that. That was a cool one. He made that while fighting oh, the French. In oh, yeah, the, there you go. They made that while fighting the French during the franco prussian that, like,
0: uh, that looks like a uh, punt gun on a, on a stick.
2: Effectively, it was. Just a really big punt gun.
0: There they shot down... No, that, it's honestly a little smaller than Post a punt part. gun, it looks like.
2: Yeah, punt uh, gun's probably bigger caliber, not gonna lie. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he made it to shoot down observation balloons that the French were using. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean,
4: you got to take them down somehow without using aircraft, you know. Something yeah, aircraft didn't exist at the time, yeah. not
2: <laughs> Well, aircraft didn't yeah. exist at the time. This was the Franco-Prussian War, so 1870s. Oh, Franco-Prussian,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you got to use uh something low budget, low tech, and hey, if it works, it works. And
2: yeah. He
1: had Maxon in his pom pom.
2: Oh so, man, or how about the how about the Maxon quad mount?
1: Oh, that's also a good one. But here's a picture of the bomb bomb since I have it pulled up already.
0: Yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Oh yeah. That
2: thing's really cool. That's just a yeah. one pounder gun, thirty seven millimeter gun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, when, when, once, you start getting into, once you start getting into the world wars, the the artillery just, just opens goes wild up so much. And honestly, the, that artillery that that group of artillery from World War 1 on to modern day could probably be an episode of its own.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, oh, it really I could mean, be.
0: Oh. yeah, easily. World 1 I mean, and World War 2 in and of itself
4: so artillery could be its own episode.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like modern day you've got crazy things like time on target artillery that the Paladin shoots the 109 Paladin. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what time on target artillery is Let's think of it like this: You fi- you have three rounds that you want to go on the same place. So you you put you clicky clicky into your little computer because the 109 Paladin has a built-in artillery computer because we're in the modern day now. We have these fun things like GPS systems, and the com- the c- computer on this cannon will literally calculate when what angle and what time to fire each of these three shells so that they land within a second of each other.
4: Right. I I would like to. Uh... Make an honorable mention to uh, Atomic Bessie while we're still on the topic.
2: <laughs> Atomic Annie, you mean?
4: Or Atomic Annie? Yeah. Yes. So I've actually have seen the cannon in person. Oh, that thing funny. is absolutely massive. Uh, if you're interested, they do have the Atomic Annie at Fort Sill in Oklahoma.
1: Hmm,
0: that's pretty cool. Too far from there. I
1: may have yeah, to check like it out. Yeah, like the pictures of it next to a
0: nuke. Can you get a picture yeah, yeah. that yeah. pulled up? Because and I'm not... uh, for those who
2: don't understand who our honorable mention is, Atomic Annie is a artillery piece that was designed by the U.S. government to shoot nuclear weapons.
0: There you go.
2: Yeah, nuclear shell. artillery.
1: That's one of its shells, and here it is on a truck.
2: Yeah, this thing was big. It was cool. It was also never used. It Probably actually, false. Probably. It was
4: used... It was only used in test. It was never used in action well, but, because yeah, it wasn't Yeah, that's was a cool that,
2: Test that's a, tests, are, tests don't count though.
4: Yeah, tests. Hey, test but test. the test the test was successful.
2: We're talking. The we're talking right. that out
4: there. That's yeah, cool. yeah. We're we're talking field. Uh, that
2: field. is cool though. That it <laughs> was a successful test.
4: I, I'm happy it never had to
1: be used.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, low yield nukes like Tate says, but they're still nukes. Yeah,
0: 180 yeah.
1: millimeter tactical yeah. nuke
0: inbound. You know, friggin'. And yeah, we
1: don't. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I want to make an honorable mention. We were talking about anti-aircraft, the longest living anti-aircraft gun, the M two Browning.
0: Still in use in the US Army so today.
1: Yeah,
0: um, for my honorable <laughs> mention is the uh is the like Napoleon era uh cannon that they put on the back of a truck in the Middle East.
2: <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! So, can you get a picture of that? So literally, just just on a truck, it's a um, 18th century gun that they mount on the back of like a hillocks and you know that that's that's their yeah. gun, that's their artillery, that's their artillery piece. Made it work, you know. That thing's wild. Yeah, if
1: we're doing stuff like that. I would like to make an honorable mention <laughs> to the technical trebuchet.
2: Oh lord! <laughs> all yeah. right, I think I'm gonna cut it here because yeah. all right, we're at, we're at an hour yep. forty, so. Okay, uh, go ahead and end it here, you guys. I want to appreciate everybody that came out. Thank you guys for all the fun contributions. Uh, thank
0: you, boys, for lis- listening to the tangent in the audience, yeah. and thank you, audience, for for uh, contribution here for listening to us ramble on for an hour and forty minutes about cans <laughs> yeah. about about yeah, artillery. And,
4: yes, and uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, hopefully, I can be on another episode. Uh yeah, um, Had a great time.
2: Anytime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to close things out, I'd like to say thank you to our troops. Thank you guys that are serving overseas currently. Uh, without you, you all of this would not be possible. So thank you guys. God bless. And good night.
0: Good night, all.